Welcome to a special episode of The Mind of Mr. Crizzle, the only place where the world makes sense. Join me, your ghost, I mean host, as we embark on another journey through a mind so full of ideas, it takes a weekly podcast to let them out. <laughs> Welcome to the final, ooh, final, that sounds pretty ominous. I don't mean like final, like episode, like forever, just the final Halloween-themed episode for this month of October. This is the final one, and I thought, you know what, with this being the last Halloween-themed episode, why not go back to where it all began? And what I mean by all began, like where my love for horror came, that would be my mom. So I'm going to have uh, my mom on. We're going to talk very briefly about uh, kind of influences that we had in the home growing up that kind of helped us gravitate towards horror uh, stories and movies and things like that. So she'll be on with that. Um, I'll also share a story about how she terrorized each of her children at one point in her life so much that we remember it very vividly. And uh, I also thought this would be a great episode to share uh, listener stories there are many stories that came in where people were sharing paranormal experiences that they had. And, uh, something that's special about this episode versus other ones is that I did, uh, I produced all the music uh, exclusively on this episode. So if you hear anything in the background, um, anything like that, it was something that I did not the best, but I just thought it was kind of neat that I got to go in there and, and flex that muscle and see, um, kind of explore how to do those type of things. So whatever you hear on this episode was all done by me and, um, I'm kind of happy that I got to do that. So hope you enjoy the episode. I'm pretty sure that you will. And I think because this episode isn't going to be, um, as long as some of the other ones, it's a great episode to share with your friends and family that you think might enjoy it so they can get a little, uh, bite size of what, the mind of Mr. Crizzle has to offer. Uh, don't forget to email me at mindofmrcrizzle at gmail.com. Also, one of our listeners, uh, Sandy, she created a Facebook group for uh, the Mind of Mr. Crizzle podcast, and that group is called Crizzlet's Corner. I made a joke about that last episode, and hey, guess what? Now we've got it. Uh, I actually went to invite my friends on Facebook to um, follow that, and I ended up just adding them all to the group. So, if that felt kind of uh, intrusive or forced, I apologize. But hey, check it out. See if you like it. Uh, you can get updated for when episodes are going to come out. Also, you can talk with other listeners about things that we talked about on our episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Here is episode eight of Mind of Mr. Crizzle. And we will title this one, mm, let's say, Listener's Tales of Terror. How about that? That's pretty good, right? Okay. Bye. We have the mother of the macabre, the child bearer of chills, the parent of panic, the matron of maniacs. We have my mother, Mama Crystal. How are you? <laughs> I'm I'm actually fine. <laughs> I was like, yeah, did you, are you choking on something? What was that? <laughs> my wicked laugh. My wicked laugh. <laughs> oh, that was... <laughs> Oh, that's cute. <laughs> How are you? 
I am doing good. I am actually good. thinking about how closely related I am since I'm the mother of the mind of Mr. Crizzle to Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde because I can take credit for the good and the demented, yes. Yeah, that's true. I, I thought it'd be appropriate to have you on the uh, last Halloween themed episode because the whole theme this month has been about horror stuff, uh, movies that we've liked, books that we've liked, and um, I just was thinking like all my love for this stuff came from you. So I thought I'd have you on and kind of talk about what inspired you or what got you interested in the scary and the supernatural and, and horror stuff like that and kind of talk about some experiences that we had as kids and how you have a story for each one of your children of how you terrorized them and gave them a memorable experience for the rest of their life because you love to scare your children. I don't know why, but you just absolutely love it. <laughs> so where did oh, you love for horror come that. from? You know, it's funny because I don't ever remember not loving horror and you were telling me to look up some of my favorite movies and I realized how many came up came out the year that I was born. So I think it was just So you just came out of the room saying boo like you didn't cry. I did. You just said boo. <laughs> I did. I actually my mother and father went to see a movie. Um and it's it was called The Haunting. It's one of the one of the greatest movies you have to see for horror fiction. I, I saw and the remake. Yeah, you can't, it wasn't the remake. It was the actual original, and it was done in black and white. And it scared them so bad that when they got home, they couldn't even go to the bathroom by themselves. And at the time, my mom was pregnant with me. So I think that I probably in, just absorbed it while in the womb and loved it ever since. <laughs> well, I'm not attempting to age you, but the original yeah, oh, came out in 1963. 1963. <laughs> So, uh, How do you know that? <laughs> I have IMDb. Yes. Oh no! It's, it's, it's so quick. Yeah, I'm. Yes, trust me. You're gonna be. <laughs> if if you remember, uh, I don't have Raphael on this episode, so I actually have to look up the dates because I don't have them all memorized for everything. Um, you know what the funny so yeah, thing was though, because. Well, since you don't have Raphael on, I went and made sure I got the years of all my stuff, so I can. <laughs> So don't worry, I wrote down the dates too. He's already forcing the podcast to to raise the level of of their professionalism by having the guests now have to have their dates in order uh, on here. Okay, so the hunting that that's so you were in the womb when that happened. So you probably just heard it and you're like, yeah, I like this kind of stuff. I was, but I actually have watched it many, many times since, and it really is a very scary movie. They have some scenes in it that the remake is good, but the original, especially for what it was and the the ability they had to do special effects back then, is really, really terrifying. So it's a good movie. Now, I remember watching it because you had it on VHS, the remake, the one with um, Catherine Zeta-Jones was in it. Owen Wilson was in it. I remember yes. thinking, like, this dude's nose is jacked up, but he is a successful actor. <laughs> Even Liam Neeson was in it. So that's the one I remember watching uh, when you had that on VHS. What, so the, what is the it? original... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. 
Okay, I'll go ahead. The original doesn't have um, the quintessential Halloween characters that I love, like uh, Vincent Price or Lon Chaney or those kind of people, but it is really good in that it was something that hadn't been done before. And there's some scenes in it um, where, like, the room gets cold and you see their breath coming, even though it's in black and white. Oh, wow. They didn't put it in CGI like they do now. No, they didn't. So they actually had to freeze the room to get them to be like that. And there's one scene that's actually in the remake, but in the original, the way they did it was really cool, where the ghost is banging on the door and it's actually bending the door in. And um, it just was so realistic and it was so ahead of what they did at that time. It was it was really scary. It's even scary now just because the thought of going into a haunted house is scary. So I, I loved it. I love it now. It's one of the ones I watch every year for Halloween. and Not on Halloween, but I definitely make sure to watch it during the Halloween season. Um, the other um, thing that got me into it was as a kid, I when I was in school, and it had to be like third or fourth grade, they came out with this thing called the Weekly Reader. And every week we got these little paper, it was like a newspaper. And in it they would have uh, either a Sherlock Holmes kind of thing, a riddle thing, or an Alfred Hitchcock story, which would be very scary. And I absolutely loved that. So I kind of grew up with the love of horror and reading horror and that kind of thing. Now, do you think that, like, like okay, if they had a rating system back then, because they didn't have a rating system back then. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not, but there was no rated <laughs> R, PG-13. Stuff like oh, that. my goodness. I thought I was just informing um, Do you think if they had a rating system like that, that you would have been allowed to watch some of these things? Or was it pretty much like the Wild West where you could just uh, watch whatever you wanted to watch? <laughs> this were orderly date me. <laughs> well, when I was a kid, we had three channels we could watch on TV. <laughs> they never had okay. these movies on TV, so it would have meant going to the movie theater. And my mom and dad just wouldn't have taken me to any scary movies. So I don't remember actually getting to watch scary movies until I was older. Um the very first time I remember being scared, and, and I don't know that I was allowed to do this, but I did this, was when I was babysitting um, some people for New Year's Eve one year. Grandma and Grandpa, if you're listening to this, cover your ears. <laughs> yeah, cover your ears. Yeah, really. And I was probably about 13 years old, and I would sting the night um, to watch these people's kids for New Year's Eve. And they had a series on called Friday the 13th, which was really scary. And I watched that, and I got to stay up after that and watch some scary movies. And it's the first time I remember actually watching scary movies. And so at the time, I was sneaking in the bathroom, eating their children's bear <laughs> that tasted so good, and watching these movies that scared me so bad that I stayed up all night long and and I was awake when they came home, <laughs> but I had to pretend like I was asleep because I was spending the night. And 
that's my first memory. And I was age 13 watching scary movies and staying the night. So it wasn't, a, you know, the rated R system wasn't part of my life or the rated PG because I, we couldn't go to movies anyway. I just wasn't allowed to do that. That wasn't, or it just was something my parents didn't take me to see. Well, you know, I was, uh, I was trying to think back like, when I really started loving scary stuff like that. And I think scary stories, I love to hear scary stories and I love to read them and tell them. And, you know, we did that a lot in scouts because we went camping like every month. So, of course, we would always have our standard scary stories. But I remember both grandma and grandpa like being very good storytellers. And they would tell, you know, they would tell me stories when I was young, and some of them would even be kind of scary stories. And do you remember, like, them ever telling you stories, or was that just something they did for their grandkids? Uh, no. Okay, so when I was a kid, we used to go camping, and my dad um, and my dad's dad, but my dad especially used to tell scary stories around the campfire, and that was just part of camping out. And then I also was in brownies and that was what we did. You know, you told scary stories around the campfire. So, yeah, scary stories were always kind of what we did. And the stories I told as you got older, especially like the ghost with the three bloody fingers and all of that came from my mom and dad. So, um, yeah, that was just they, – they actually liked scary movies and are probably the ones who scared us. Although I don't remember them doing – pranks that scared me as bad as I've done, but, um, Okay, so let's, let's get into that. Before (laughs) I share the story about how you traumatized me, let's talk about how you got Alyssa, the youngest of the family. (laughs) So to kind of set the scene for this, my sister, something that really freaks her out in these scary movies is like a crawling scene. Like when somebody's crawling on the floor with, you know, their joints all discombobulated or if they're doing it really fast kind of spider-like it just freaks her out to no avail and um there was a movie that M. Night Shyamalan came out with called The Visit and there's this particular scene where they're under a house and you see this lady crawling under the house in a very creepy way and it's a disturbing scene if you haven't seen the movie I'm not going to go too much into it but this scene happens and I guess you guys want to go see it with her is that right Yes, we went and watched it with her, and she couldn't even watch that part. She started freaking out and burying her head in our shoulders. And <laughs> so I so knew it scared you her. Thought, so you <laughs> yeah, so I actually, when they, the first time she saw it was in, I think, a in one of, it was a different movie that she had seen him calling. I can't remember if it was The Ring or um, one of the other movies, but I knew I knew crawling scared her. So a little bit before that, my sister had gotten me, I don't know why she did it, but she got me this white uh, nightgown that was, it looks like something from a horror movie that they would have wore back in 1920 or something. And it's just this long white nightgown that's, that's just scary That's the gown to you're going to be wearing when you're a ghost. Yeah, exactly. So we got home from the movie and... I was like, okay, let's scare Alyssa to death. So I had your dad on one side of the stairs 
when you go up, there's See, a railing. This is the problem. <laughs> you don't just you don't just take responsibility and do it on your own. You have to get that involved, which like well, heightens did... it. You get the person that the victim trusts the most <laughs> to play a part in, in order your, to in do your little game. In order to do a good scare, you usually have to involve more than one person, or else it's not mm. that scary. And so I put okay, this bathrobe on. I put this, or not bathrobe, this nightgown on, and I retreated in the corner of our hallway, which is rather long. And it was in the darkness, and Alyssa was in the bathroom, which was straight across from where I was. And it was actually very perfect lighting, so I waited in this corner for what seemed like forever. And you're crouched down or on your hands and knees? I was like, on my knees, hands and knees, um, with my head down you're, lower to the ground. You were dedicated. <laughs> I was dedicated. And I okay. waited for a long time. And I twisted my arms in a really weird position so that it would be like in the movie. And I had my head and chest close to the ground so that my elbows were sticking up and my legs were in a really weird awkward position so that when she opened the door the light just shined on me we had turned out all the lights in the house and so the lighting was perfect and it just shined on me and as she opened the door I started doing this very weird crawl like in the movie and I thought she might scream or something I I did not expect it to be Although I was kind of glad it was, but I didn't expect it to scare her as much as it did. But it scared her so bad. You kind of have poor judgment when it comes to these things like this. <laughs> Very poor judgment. So how did she so react to this? She just stood there in the most terrified horror thing. She couldn't scream. She couldn't run. She couldn't do anything but just sit stand there and go, ah, 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 with this gurgling sound So it was a good thing she went to the bathroom before yes. she opened the door. And me, I had to carry it out, so I, I crawled almost to her. <laughs> so it was good. What, you it wanted her to good... kick you in the face? Like, what? How close were you going to get? I got pretty close, and then I I started to all of a sudden my motherly kicked in, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's just me!" And I stood up, it's just me. And by that time, she was shaking and horrified. Wait, so what is Dad doing during this? Like, what was his role in this? Well, he was supposed to be filming it, um, but he ended up seeing her shock that he didn't even get it very good on camera, and. He's actually oh, he's what so made me stop. Was he's like, oh, uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> he was so he's gone too far. Abort, abort. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So he went over to hug her, and, and and I don't even think she laughed about it. I mean, at first she got mad, but then the next day it was really funny, and now it's a very funny memory. But <laughs> yeah, it scared her to death. And to this to this day, she I'm not allowed to crawl. I'm not even allowed to wear that that nightgown in front of her so I don't because I realized it, w- it was really scary it wasn't just a funny scary it, it was a terrified scary <laughs> yeah you good. seem to have a habit of, of doing that it was good yeah <laughs> probably not as horrifying as it was yours was a little more horrifying I think than hers <laughs> now you know, your brother so let, let me 
let me yeah, let's do Kyle's real quick because that one's that one's kind of like a nice palate cleanser that you know, even when you try to just be funny with your with your scary, it still traumatizes your children. So, so let's talk about what you did with Kyle because that one. Backfired so your brother you goes back, back to more of what used to happen with us, and that's when we drove in cars with my family at night. My dad would tell scary stories and. Um, and he, there was one particular one he told called, I'm the ghost with the three bloody fingers. And so one time we were driving in the car and your brother was little. I mean, it was a Ford Aerostar minivan. Ford Aerostar minivan. She remembered. Okay. So he was probably about mm-hmm. eight, maybe. And, um, I started to tell this scary story and he got so scared that he kept saying, no, don't tell the story anymore. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. And I wanted him to hear it because it does have a, an ending that makes it not so scary. But he was so afraid in this van going down the road that he wouldn't even let me tell the story. And he was crying before I even got to it. And I, I can make it dramatic and tell the story. And he actually wouldn't let me tell the story. So I couldn't even. Well, I remember it. it's like. Uh, t- traditional like scary stories you you know you do things yeah. in three so like the ghost is asking or saying like I'm the ghost with three bloody fingers and yeah. he says that like three I times throughout the, the story after the very yep. first time Kyle was like no please yeah. stop yeah. but it, it's all in the way you tell it because it's I am the ghost with the three bloody fingers and that's yeah that's terrifying you can do it. yeah <laughs> I so that's also he... <laughs> My favorite was uh, Pell Green Pants with Nobody Inside Them, which is with Dr. Oh, you know, I had forgotten <laughs> about that, but you're right. That also terrified me. This Dr. Seuss story. Oh, my gosh. You just brought was... that up, and it just brought back so many memories that I had suppressed. Wow, <laughs> you just had a habit of, of doing this. But it was in the way I read it, and I actually read that story for Alyssa's first grade class or second grade class. I had her dress up. It was Dr. Zeus day and I had her dress up as pale green pants with nobody inside him. And I read the story to the class and the, it scared the class so bad that the teacher said I could They asked you to never come back to school again. <laughs> like, ma'am, yeah. um, you're not welcome here anymore. Well, they said that I was a little too dramatic with it and, and that it, bothered some of the children so it's all in the telling of the story look so there's yeah so there's this dr seuss book um i think it's called is the book called like niches or something like that and yeah it has the a bunch of short stories niches in it. and other stories yeah yeah and that's one of the other stories i think it's the last one on there and it is. um i don't think i might have to have you like do a dramatic reading of that sometime because it was terrifying the way that you would tell it. And I, I would be very scared when you told it, but I loved it. I didn't love it at the time, like when you were doing it, but I would always ask you to read it again because it did freak me out so much. And it was well, just you a know, it's funny. story. It's funny because I read it to my grandkids and you guys, you and Kyle were here doing it and I was reading it to them and they were all scared and I could hear Kyle say, that still creeps me out. I still can't stand listening to mom say that book. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think definitely. he's still a big scary cat. 
you know, like I, I see some of these shows that we um, watched as kids, and it's it's truly terrifying. I'm like, how did they let children watch this? There was a Jim Henson's movie called Witches, and it has um, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, do you remember that? Do you remember that lady's name? She's like a, a I... British actress, I think. Oh, gosh, I'm the worst of saying No. Um, um, Angelica Houston? Yes, Angelica Houston. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, and she Beth was Hitler's uh, Morticia and Fan. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but they had, and it was like Jim Henson was in charge of all the like special effects stuff, and there are these scenes when they're turning into witches, and it was... Uh, it was terrifying, and I'm like, this is like a this was like a kids movie, and then like, I don't know, there were just a lot of really crazy stuff that they just allowed kids to watch, and it was just like no big deal. Now it's all like Caillou and um, uh, like you know, soft little children thing because they can't be scared. We don't want to scare children anymore. <laughs> Those characters, all right. Well, you know, I think it's I think it's a shame that they don't because. There's some some joy in being scared, and there's also some confidence in knowing that you came through something scary and and you survived it. Can you think of a modern day like children's movie or show that has a scary part like that in it? Uh, modern day, oh good heavens! Um, well, I mean, like but you know, okay, so that kids will watch now. The, the Goosebumps book that when they turn that into a movie, that had some good scary stuff if you were a little kid watching it. And yeah, I didn't think any yeah. single part of that was scary. So oh, I didn't think kids oh, were scared. If you were a little kid, you would think it was scary. No. No, I can watch but, Witches now and be scared. So I'm talking about like that level of scary, like where children should not be watching this. Oh, yeah. I don't No, I don't think they have anything. Well, I think his parents probably... <laughs> I think parents are a little yeah, more right. careful with their kids. They have it, but I don't think parents let their kids watch it. So, I mean, we had Twilight Zone. We had a bunch of scary things that we watched on a regular basis. Um, and I remember my mom coming over once, and you guys were watching a show, and my mom's like, I can't believe you let those kids watch that show. And I, it never even dawned on me that scary wasn't. I think it was Glee. She was talking about Glee, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was pretty scary. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it in the beginning. Yeah, I know. Um, okay, so let's see. Um, what are some of the... Uh, we'll, we'll get to my story here in a minute. I'm kind of saving that one for the end because <laughs> it's truly disturbing the length that you guys went through. But what... What are what are some other movies that really had an impact on you besides The Haunting? Um, so one of my I'm going to say one that you actually absolutely butchered when you told about it, but one of my favorite um, stories is called The Curse of Frankenstein, and it actually is not. The whoa, whoa, whoa! How did I butcher it? What did I say well, that you'd... butchered? I didn't even talk about it really. When, no, when you were talking to Raphael, you talked about the tingler and you butchered it. But I'm going to save that one because... Oh, I butchered the tingler. Oh, yes. okay. No, this one's The Curse of Frankenstein. And it's one that was made in 
uh, Eastman wrote it down, uh, 1957. It's actually, it's one of the very first colored films. It's a Hammer production, and he did some of, he did some of the best horror uh, films. But I, I watched it again the other night, and it's one of my favorite scary movies because it was done in 1957, and it was a time where they didn't, if you watch it, it's very campy. The special effects are ridiculous in some ways and the dials they turn and all that kind of stuff. And the acting is a little bit overdone the way those kind of movies were overdone, except for the character Peter Cushing plays, which is Frankenstein, who is the real monster, not the monster he creates, but Frankenstein, the doctor himself. And the, when I watched it, I was scared even watching it now as a grown-up. And what scared me was the way he plays the part of Frankenstein. And you've got all these characters that are overacting and doing all this stuff, and yet you have Peter Cushing who plays the most perfect psychopath there ever was. And he has no regard at all for the emotions of people or morale or moral issues um he just wants to create and be the creator of life and it doesn't matter if it requires him to kill or or whatever it doesn't matter if it hurts other people he just is completely void of morals and he does such a good job and that's very unexpected when you're watching such an old movie because you feel like that should be innocent that should be a time where people weren't so demented and the fact that he does play it so well makes it really frightening to me. So I think that's, that's a movie everybody should see is the curse of Frankenstein. Plus it's one of the first ones in color. So he does, there's blood and gore that's overdone, but done very cool because you know, it's one of the first colored ones. So that's definitely a movie that has to be seen. I think. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It does look pretty. Had Christopher Lee in it. Mm. Yeah, Chris. It's the Christopher Lee actually plays Frankenstein, and he plays it mm. like it's not the one with a bolt in his head. He actually does it like a body that would be built from different parts. So mm-hmm. um, the makeup's really good on it. it. It's it's a good it's a good scary movie for an old one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the screenshots. Yeah, most of my scary movies are the older ones uh, that I think are good. I'm not into... Now, are you, you like, uh, do you think these movies really, like, still hold up? Or are you just one of those people, like, I grew up with this, so this is going to be my favorite? Like, do you have any, like, newer movies that you think would be as good as these, or nothing can touch these classics? Okay, so I'm not a huge fan of slasher movies or gore and the reason i think because you would ask me why do i like the older ones there there's one that's well it's not new it's i guess it's old for them but it's newer for me um i i'm more of uh i don't like just the slashing and goring i don't like torture movies um those aren't my favorite i like things that are more scary mentally so I like things that you have to actually watch and figure out and I also have this rule um, 
I call it the Stephen King rule, is that no matter how scary it gets, the good always wins. And I, I think it's important to have the good always conquer the evil. And so it seems like the movies, there's a lot of movies nowadays where I understand they kind of want to carry it over to the next part. But in a lot of them, you don't always see good conquer evil. And that I don't, I don't like that. <laughs> like the bad guy wins at the end. Yeah. Or, you know, there's kind of a question of whether the bad guy wins or, you know, was it even a bad guy? You know, you got to question good and, you know, what is good and evil? And I just like the black and white. I, not the black and white necessarily in color, but I want yeah, you, good you mean like the it's clear. Evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you're fighting. And so I think that's why I tend to go towards older movies because it's just clear that there's a bad thing that's fought and and it's won and it's conquered and humankind is good and we all go home happy campers and I that's what I like. And the slasher well, movies I don't... Up, you... Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, the slasher movies what? The slasher movies um I that's actually the first kind of movies that I went to when I was a kid. That's so Halloween was um when I was in high school and Friday the 13th and Freddy Krueger and all those. And the first ones were good because they were scary and they were new, um, especially Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Halloween was also the first time it came out. It was cool, Friday the 13th. But then after that, it was just let's see how much gore and how much blood we can put in it. And I, I just am not a fan of that. And I don't think it's very creative. So. That's kind of why. Did you know that in a Friday the 13th movie, there was a scene where he had like a camper and a sleeping bag and he slammed it against the tree to kill them? Um, Originally, the shot had him slamming the camper against the tree three times. But uh, because of that, they were going to give the movie an X rating. So to get it minimized down to an R rating, he could only slam the camper against the tree one time. Um, and now you can basically show somebody tear their guts out of their stomach and feed them to their neighbor's cat, and it's not a problem. So it's, it's definitely uh, come along with fun little trivia. Uh, <laughs> you had talked about Stephen King, and I think that that's a good segue into uh, the Fast Ask or Ask Fast segment. So, Oh, okay. Um, so hit it, Chris. Yeah, you did it right. Ask fast or fast ask. Either way, say it's gonna be a blast. All right, this is the segment of the show where uh, you ask fast questions and we give sometimes long and convoluted answers. So this, uh, this month, the same question has been posed to all the guests. What is scarier to you? Books or movies? Okay, for me, hands down books. <laughs> you know, that My has mind, not been the popular consensus. So it's know, interesting was, to hear that. I was really surprised that I have a very um, 
vivid imagination. And I can imagine things in books, the way things look, the way things are, and get myself into it that would never happen in a movie. And when I was, um, I started out with Alfred Hitchcock and that kind of stuff, but when I discovered Stephen King was when I really got into my love of scary books. And there is, he put so much into his books that you could never bring to life on a screen. The way he describes what's going on inside their head, the way he describes the the changes in their in people's bodies and stuff it it's just what happens in my mind never can go on screen so i am definitely a fan of books one in particular was um well, i liked the original shining and then he does a follow up called doctor sleep and both of those he describes this esp that goes on between these people that you can't really show on TV. So you're missing, or in a movie, so you're missing what really is happening on the mental level that you couldn't do in a movie. But my favorite is one that is not one of his most popular, but it was called The Cell, and I read it a couple years ago. And it literally, I was reading it all night long. Oh, that's the cell phone one. I was getting yeah. confused with the uh, Jennifer Lopez movie, um, The Cell. But okay. Oh no so no. Is... Okay yeah yeah. This is one. It's about this... cell phones, and the gist of without giving too much away is that when people there's a special frequency that goes out over the cell phone as people are talking, and it turns them into these uh, creatures, these rav- raving maniacs that kill each other and makes them go nuts. And it probably, I read it after it was released. It was released, um, like, in 2006, I think. And oh, you I read just, it after it was released? You didn't read it yeah, before? Yeah, I actually didn't. I didn't read it until about How do you read a book ago. before it's released? Oh, so you're much, saying, no, like, much, much later. Yeah, right. I read it much later after it was released. And okay. I just came across it and thought, oh, I haven't read this one. And I was reading it, and it was describing how they were in this house, and it was dark, and they opened up the shades, and there were all these demented people sticking their faces through the window. And it scared me so bad when I read that part that I literally screamed and could not (laughs) go to my windows, even to peek out of them. And I finally was forcing myself, this is ridiculous, go do it, go do it. But I I couldn't do it, and I scared myself to death because my mind can do that. My mind can go there. I love books. I think they're way better than movies. So my answer is books. And I like it. Back to the jingle. I like it. All right, so that was a fast question with a long answer. All right, and then you said back to the jingle. Okay. Ask fast or fast, ask. Either way, say it's going to be a blast. Okay, so um, I was thinking about getting into my um, traumatic experience, but is there anything else you want to uh, talk about before we get into that? That's a few. If you want to do that now, I've got the other books or the other movies. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Okay. That's what, that's why I need to know if you had more movies. Yes, I want to. I want to get into those. 
Let's get into those. So how did I okay, butcher the tingling? How did what? I didn't say, how did I butcher the tingler? Or do you have a different uh, movie oh, that you want to talk about? The okay, well, the tingler is actually Vincent Price. It's a, it's, you had said that it was this thing that was created, but what the premise behind it is that when you get scared, you can be scared to death. And the reason you can be scared to death is because when you get scared, there's an organism that grows inside of you. And the more scared you are, the larger this organism gets, and it actually breaks your back. It grows along your spine, and it grows and grows until you can't stand it anymore, and that's unless you scream, which kills it when you scream. It will grow until you are scared to death. So his quest is to find this thing he calls the tingler. I don't know why. And because it's spine while tingling. it is grown. And and so he goes about getting this. So the premise, it is in all of us, this organism that grows every time we're scared, and that's why um, why we can actually be scared to death. And it's, the reason why I love the movie is because it is so camping out there, but the stories behind the way they used to do it, like you were talking about the shocking of the chairs and all that kind of stuff, is is excellent. And also, the, even though it is still like a silly movie, Vincent Price does such a wonderful job in playing his character. Um, I, I, it's just, I love it. It's a fun watch. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. It was fun to watch. He takes it very seriously, but it is also very campy and... It's just a good mixture of everything. And then knowing that that they were that dedicated to do those things in the theaters, I just thought was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a tradition I do every year. I have to watch that on Halloween. <laughs> and and it makes you feel good, even though it's it's not that scary, it makes you feel good. I I think that's it's it's kind of interesting how a lot of horror films have this balance between the horror and the comedy like uh you know these these good ones like i had talked about um cabin in the woods on uh the episode with alicia and it has funny parts in it but it also has like genuinely terrifying parts in it and that balance makes it so much more fun to watch and i think that's why uh me and her like like watching campy horror movies too because it's just like sometimes you you don't know like did they do this on purpose like did they mean <laughs> to make this this stupid or is this just a clueless director or actors who just weren't feeling it or something like you know like you know you were talking about friday the 13th and um nightmare on elm street and as those franchises went on they definitely got campier and campier for a while before they really got back to their horror roots towards the end um, same thing yeah. you said for like child's play and maybe that one always started can't be child's play. So that's kind of a silly premise, but Well that's what you know, that one of my favorite I think all time horror movies and it's not the remake, it's the original that was made in nineteen eighty two was Poltergeist. Because that Ooh, had that was a good one. I can't believe single. nobody mentioned that one. I can't I couldn't either. Oh my I was gosh, so that surprised. one's so good. 
because that brings out every single feel. You laugh, you love the characters, you are scared with the family, you worry, you cry during certain parts, and you're The practical effects are great. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh man, I can't, I feel I feel ashamed that we did not <laughs> nobody nobody brought that one up. Yeah, I couldn't believe. I it. recant I like, everything I said. The original Poltergeist, absolutely hands down. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean that's where the yeah. whole buried Indian uh, Indian burial ground like that's a common trope you see all the time now when people make jokes about building houses on top of an ancient you know Indian burial ground. And, yeah, and the lady who comes in to cleanse the house, you know, she's <laughs> she that character has yeah. been done that way before, and she's so good at it. And there's parts that if you've watched it so many times, like I have, like at the at one of the scariest parts, the daughter gets out of the car and she runs, and she's got this huge hickey on her neck, and you know she's and it just makes it so funny and real. Um, while everything else is going on, she's out there making out. It's just. <laughs> It's got some yes. really funny things. But no, that wasn't that wasn't uh, on purpose. The actress just had a little bit more of downtime. Yeah. In between. Scenes. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure so. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know the and it ends one of the best ways too. I mean, it's just got a good ending, and you know, I I just think after all these years, you're still teaching me. You're still teaching me. Sure, <laughs> right, Poltergeist, hands down. What a good movie is, yeah. And then the other two honorable mentions have got to be um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers because it, you fall you asleep, trust? you have no control, and it's going to, the original, well, there's actually the second one's good too. It's when they fall asleep, the alien takes over, and, and there's nothing you can do. At some point, you have to fall asleep, and trying to warn people against that is is also kind of good because it really scares you. What, what are you going to do? You can't fall asleep. And then The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock is also in its own right really good because it's something that's so normal in society, birds, and what happens if they do turn against you, um, you know, the thought of that. And the fact that it's made without a single bit of music is also incredible just for a trivia of that, of that movie, that he could do that such suspense without any music. So those are our honorable mentions. <laughs> All right. I think that was a great list. Let's get into it. All right. So okay. how do you want to do this? Do you want me to just share my like side of the story, or do you have maybe some defense you want to come up with or something? Or you want to just interject I, as I'm saying things? I actually don't know if I can defend it. So you can... I okay. don't, I'd probably be better. So let me set the scene for our, for <laughs> let me set the scene for the Quizlets out there. All right, gather around, Quizlets. I have a story to tell you. So I had to have been. I could not have been older than eight. I had to have been like either seven or eight years old. I'll say eight. You're actually most, nine. I would tell you. I you were nine been. years old. Yeah, because it was after happen. your surgery, and your your dad and I were married. So it was just after we came home from your last visit. With the doctor. Look, you're already trying to defend yourself. We you're trying to make me. You're trying to make me older. You're already trying to defend yourself. You were I was five years old when this happened. <laughs> I. Okay, I'll say, I'll give you that. I was nine. All right, okay. so we go. We're, the plan was that we were going to go camping. So we drive out 
to this campsite. It's not dark yet. It's still daytime. Um, it's getting into the evening. And um, you guys start telling me stories, some scary stories. Uh, the story that you guys told was the story of the hook. And I think it is a, a very popular story. I'm going to kind of sum it up real quick for, for the listeners. Um, basically, there's this young couple who goes to this make-out hill or something to make out. This uh, radio broadcast comes on, and there's like an escaped convict or something that has a hook for her hand. And um, weird stuff starts happening. The boyfriend gets out of the car to show that he's, you know, brave and all this and that. Basically, there's a scraping um noise on the car. I mean, crazy stuff happens. They end up driving off. Well, at the end of the night, when he goes to let his girlfriend out of the car, there's a hook hanging from the the handle. And you definitely have a gift of telling stories, so they're scary sounding. I mean, you get into it. You do the voices. um, So that already... Of the hook scraping, and yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you did that. Absolutely, you did that. So here I am, four years old, listening to this story as a four-year-old. And um, younger. Yes, and it starts to get darker. And Dad says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get some firewood. So he goes off into the trees to go get firewood. And you and I are talking for a little bit. You know, I'm still kind of freaked out about the story. And then you tell me... Wow, your, your dad's been gone kind of long. And I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, he has. And uh, I don't, I remember like not really caring or thinking much of it at first. Like I was just kind of oblivious to it. Okay, yeah, he's been gone a long time, doesn't mean anything. But then you got this worried look on your face. And I don't think you understand that when you're three years old, you trust your mom <laughs> so completely. So you, I mean, that that's your life. That's the person who feeds you every day. Without your mother, you are nothing. So I trusted you completely. And if there was fear on your face, there was genuinely something to be afraid about. So instantly, that's what that's what scared me more than anything. Just seeing your reaction because you weren't really one. You know, you're always the tough mom, and you weren't really one to show me when you were scared or upset about things. So I remember immediately. Well, I knew and something people was have wrong. to know. People have to know that my major was musical theater. So acting is my go-to. So I could pull off a scared person, yeah. Drama, yes. You're definitely yeah. drama. So you <laughs> you get, you you do this, and that's at that moment, that's when things started to go bad. So now you're doing this thing where you're yelling out into the woods, Corey, Corey. And I'm like, Dad, Dad, like, where are you? And then uh, then all of a sudden my dad comes screaming out of the woods, yelling, run, run to the car, there's something behind me. And he's just screaming, and I just lost it. I think like Alyssa, like I couldn't move. I was just, but I was bawling, and I was crying so hard, and I was just, I don't think I've ever been that scared. I think you broke something inside of me um, at that point because I've never been that scared again. And I was just inconsolable, so we had to leave. We couldn't even stay anymore. And and I remember the the part of it that – so I'm laying down in the back seat still crying, and 
the whole time we're driving home through these woods, I'm picturing this hook, like, scraping the car and, like, you know, these – and sticks were going against the car because we were, like, out in the woods and stuff driving. And the whole way home, I'm thinking, like, this hook guy is going to get me. Even though I know you guys were playing a joke at that point, I was just so uh, traumatized by it. And the fact that you guys double teamed on a two-year-old and tried to scare a two-year-old that bad, I just – what goes through your mind? How, when did you guys talk about this, that you were going to do this? Did you guys, is that the whole reason why we went camping was so you can do this to me? Or, I mean, when did you guys find the time to talk about this? You know, we actually didn't even plan it out. <laughs> but oh, dad, my gosh. So, as you know, your dad hunts, so he's not afraid to be out in the wood at night. <laughs> so, he did go out, but it was right when the sun was setting. So, when he was running back, it actually was dark. It was getting dark the fire had already started so um it it hadn't been planned the worst part was as I was getting into character I was really getting into character and so I was screaming and then dad was running and and it was so bad and I remember grabbing your arm and pulling you to the car yeah yeah (laughs) trusted you a hundred percent Hundred <laughs> percent. My mom would never betray me like that. You know, this brings me to another story. First day of school in elementary school. No, my mom says, no, 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 no. It's all coming out now. It's all coming out now. My that mom says, yeah. <laughs> oh, so you don't want me? To, you don't want me to share that story then? Okay. You'd rather me share like the purposeful thing that you did to scare me instead of the thing you did by accident. But okay. Well, you have you do have to tell everybody, your tens of listeners, that I did feel <laughs> bad and it didn't make me cry. Yeah, <laughs> you did. I, I cried while we drove home because I was I felt so bad that I scared you that bad and it was really mean. How do I know that it wasn't just an act that you were crying? You were just pretending <laughs> that you were sad. Are you so, my real mother? It, I don't even yeah. know what to believe anymore. Just <laughs> <laughs> circle. That was formed when we made you. <laughs> that, that would be, wow, that'd be terrifying. I was a baby. I mean, you did that to a baby. You found me in those woods that night. That's what happened. Yeah, that that was actually a, a scare that probably went over the top and, <laughs> and literally probably could have led to years of therapy and <laughs> there were so many levels of betrayal <laughs> on that I can't even begin to get into it but it was good well played madam well played, <laughs> well played yeah. I'm down in history yeah and I, I really can't defend it because it was really it was cruel it would have been cruel to do it even to a high school person <laughs> I don't know why I ever thought I should do that to my I would my say child. you learned your lesson, but apparently the story with Alyssa proves that you did not. Well, so. in fairness, with Alyssa, she was like 17 years old. So. Yeah, she kind of asked wait for it. She was older. Yeah. <laughs> you, All right, you, well, there was, uh, there was an excuse. Yeah, that was bad. So, uh, yeah. I want to wrap this up with a... Um, well, first, is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up? You got anything else for us? Well, 
You did ask me about the things that was different about Halloween when I was a kid, traditions of Halloween when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I will say that this, this, um, at least not you guys so much, although you didn't get to trick or treat as much because of where we lived when we moved out here to San, to Texas. But um, when I was a Hold kid, on real quick. Hold on real quick. I completely okay. disagree with that. I went trick-or-treating every Halloween, all the way up through oh, high no, school. You, so maybe you got mixed you, up with Kyle and Alyssa, but... No, you guys did get to trick-or-treat, yes. Everybody went trick-or-treat. But when I was a kid and we trick-or-treated, we lived in neighborhoods that were huge, and there were... Lots and lots of blocks, and houses were lots of blocks. Lots and lots of blocks, and the you houses guys, you guys lived were in the block. not far apart. So we lived in mm-hmm. in like huge neighborhoods in California, and we would trick or treat. I mean, we would start very early, and we would walk and walk the entire neighborhood until you could hardly walk anymore. So our trick-or-treat out And then you still had to walk back home. (laughs) Yeah, with these huge, we used pillowcases. And our pillowcases were full of candy. And we would walk back home. And I get really disappointed when I trick-or-treat with you guys, well, especially my grandkids, because they are tired after two blocks. <laughs> so I will say that we were much more dedicated. But their legs are so little, candy. though. I mean, they have to work, <laughs> like, work hundreds harder to walk. Yeah. It was a different time. All that walking to school yeah. four miles both ways uphill really gets you snow. Um, yeah. <laughs> in, in snow. Yep. Or it could have been that we just never got candy except for Halloween, so we had to get as much as we could to last us the whole year. You know what? That's a good point. I don't think kids these <laughs> days know how good they have it. They can just get candy whenever they want. <laughs> Actually, they're kids totally these days. That. Yeah. And we we did have to go home and dump our candy out while my dad took all the chocolate bars, and we well, got the, the rest. That yeah, was you have real. To pay tax. <laughs> Yeah, I believe that. So, <laughs> did you have any like traditions you like tried to do with our family? Uh, traditions with the family was I just always observed it. So we we definitely had costumes always. I tried to always get the to um, we went to a lot of church things on whatever, they didn't have it necessarily on Halloween night, but we, so there was always times with costumes. I always tried to decorate. Uh, Halloween was a big deal. And, and I tried to make the kids' costumes a big deal too. So if I think of traditions, I just tried to make carry on that it was a big deal. It wasn't just a nothing holiday. That's all. Yeah, you at least now we're talking about how it's so kind of, well, I mean, it was a standard like Halloween stuff. One thing that I did remember that McDonald's would always give out coupon books around oh, Halloween yeah. for like free ice creams, uh, chicken nuggets. And I remember I would get those in my trick or treat bags and you and I would go hit up McDonald's for the next, you know, week or so until yeah. all those coupons were gone. And we'd used to, and I'm, we always got extra coupons somehow. So we, it ended up lasting us a long time. <laughs> That was our yep. November food with McDonald's coupons. 
That's right. Well, I think those are those are some great stories. Uh, before we go, let's wrap this up with a Halloween hat. Do you have one for us? Okay, take it away. Life hack, life hack. Life gives you problems, but I got your back with this life hack. Life hack, get your life hack with me. Halloween edition. That's it. What's your what's your yeah. Halloween? What's okay, your Halloween so hack? My for? my hacks are. Um, First of all, all your food should be dusted with Oreo cookies that are smooshed up so it looks like dirt's on everything. Um, the second, the thing I think is most important is that Halloween is about scaring at some level. So some of my quickest fast hacks that are very scary are to collect shoe boxes during the year and, or any kind of box, but a shoe box is the best, and you cut a hole in the top. And... Inside the shoebox, they have to stick their hand in and feel what it is. And so some of the best things to put in there are like cooked spaghetti because it feels kind of like worms, um, peeled grapes, feel like eyeballs. And a really good one are pipe cleaners. People don't expect this, but if you do a pipe cleaner that's wrapped around like a – we used to do them around – uh, those little peppermint things, the round peppermints, because pipe cleaners automatically think you're grabbing spider legs the way they feel, and it Ooh. would just freak people out. <laughs> so the, it's a very easy thing to do for a carnival or having people come to your house if you have a table set up and they have to. It's kind of scary just to stick your hand in a box, especially nowadays that they have the traps that make it so you can't get your hands out. Um but if you have those things in it, and especially if they're kids, but it's kind of gross as adults too, uh, it's scary. And then one more is to add extra gelatin to Jello and put them in straws, the bendable straws, and then you just mm-hmm. let them harden, run the straw real quick under warm water, and it comes out like a worm, and it literally looks like a worm, especially if you add some green food coloring to a red jello mix and it's when you slurp it up and stuff it's like you're really slurping a worm and um it's pretty creepy and it looks good so those are my fast hacks well those are very good and, thank you for that <laughs> and now you can finish it off <laughs> life hack life hack life gives you problems but i got your back with this life hack life hack Get your life hack with me. All right, so before we go, now's the time for the lightning round. <laughs> That's my <laughs> lightning impression. What is the best designed uh, pumpkin that you've ever carved? What is one that stands out in your memory like, yeah, I can carve a mean pumpkin? Oh, my goodness, lightning round. I, I'm not much of a... Carver, although I do remember one time making a witch out of it, but as far, you're much better carver than I am. No, no, no. I'm not that great of a carver. We're going to go do our pumpkin carving on Saturday. And I think I'm going to be doing, I was going to do a Stranger Things theme, uh, which, how awesome is Stranger Things? I mean, it's, Yeah, it's a if it was like a t-shirt, the, that'd be very cool. Like it's like a throwback to all the the fun eighties movies. Um 
But anyway, I was going to do that, but then Raphael said he was already doing it. So now I'm going to switch it up and do something different. So we'll, we'll see what it is. Oh, you have to do a clown. You have to do a clown for, like, a demented clown. I don't have to do it, okay? That's... <laughs> it okay. Takes <laughs> no, I've already done that. Okay, well, I want to think... Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, though, I do have to shout out to Raphael because if we're doing a mind of Mr. Crystal, there's a lot more in my mind than his. So if we, you get a co-host, it better be me. He, he doesn't have the mind power I do. <laughs> oh, wow. No, this is this is going to be just me, okay? Just me, dang it. No co-hosts. Okay, we'll see what your tens of listeners say. <laughs> My tens of listeners have spoken, okay? They've spoken. They wrote me a letter. I got it in the mailbox because they don't actually have the technology to listen to podcasts. Uh, but they hear about it secondhand from other people who have listened. And they've told me, we want you to just do it by yourself. I don't have another host. Maybe that'll be my thing. I will always have another person, but I'll never have, like, a permanent co-host. Have it be the same. Well, I like yeah. your, your ones alone, too. So. Well, thank you for coming on and allowing uh, everybody to hear the terrible things that um, <laughs> you've done in the name of terror to scare my your children. Was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, did your parents ever do something like that to you, by the way? Like, oh, no. My parents to scare were more you? to the realistic scares. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. And um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to end the podcast with some listener stories. We've got quite a few of them. People uh, wrote in and they left me voice messages and stuff like that explaining their own paranormal activities. I know that you told me that you've had some, but we'll go ahead and save that maybe for another time. And um, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right. I love you. Bye. I love you too. Bye. As we close out this episode, I'm going to leave you with the listener stories that were submitted to me. And before we do, I want to thank everybody from the bottom of my heart for all of the stories that were submitted. I know you guys had to take some time out of your day to do that. Uh, some of you left voice messages, which I also appreciated. And I hope that I do some justice to these stories um, with the way that I tell them. So here they are, some stories for your consideration. And until next week, happy Halloween. This story was submitted by Alex, and I found it particularly interesting because Alex is a practicing witch. This story is an example of how he uses his witchcraft abilities to help others who are in need. He calls this story an encounter with the spirit. So remember, next time you're in trouble, who are you going to call? Maybe a witch. A few years back, my ex-wife had a friend that was being haunted. She would have these awful dreams where a spirit would attack her with razor-sharp claws. When she woke, she would have cuts on her body where she was attacked in the dream. As soon as I heard about it, I went over to her place and immediately sensed a strong, malicious presence. I felt around downstairs, and it wasn't there, so I went upstairs to the bedrooms, left all the lights off, and went to where the presence was the strongest. So I sat down and started casting to bind and banish. 
That's when I was attacked. Like a physical force shoved into my chest hard enough to rock me, I latched onto it with my aura and struggled to hold it down while I finished my incantation. Once I finished it, it just disappeared, bound and banished to the spirit realm. This next tale of terror was submitted by listener Sandy. Sandy's story goes to show us that sometimes the scariest things in life are simply a child's imagination. Our family lived in San Antonio in a fairly new subdivision. This was back in 1997. My middle son, Eric, who was about three years old, was always talking to himself and I would ask him, who are you talking to? And he would always respond, I'm talking to H. I didn't really think much of it and I didn't really want to make a big deal out of it either in case he had an imaginary friend. And I didn't really get bad vibes in the house and we were the first homeowners in the home as it was newly built. Despite all that, I do distinctly remember a time when I was truly creeped out. I was putting the boys in the car, and as I was buckling in my youngest, Alex, who was a year old at the time, Eric pointed to the window above the garage, which happened to be our office slash catch-all room, and said, Mommy, there's H. For whatever reason, and I remember to this day, I purposely did not look up there because I was so creeped out. You know, we moved not long after that, out of state, and Eric never mentioned H again as we left the house. It wasn't super scary and telling, but I can't ignore that creepy feeling that I had and the refusal that I had to look over my shoulder up into that window to see H. There are few things in this world as truly terrible as not having a good night's rest. Insomnia has been known to lead people to hallucinations, experience a violent outburst, and bags under the eyes. This next listener's story, submitted by Stephanie, explains how she was having a hard time going to sleep because of certain noises. So for some people, the nighttime meant bedtime, but for her, the nighttime meant hammer time. When I was smaller, I could never sleep in my room. I always ended up somewhere else unless someone was in the room with me. Well, I would hear hammers and see shadows at my window. My dad never believed me. Well, now he's home by himself and he sleeps in my old room. He says he has to sleep with music on or the TV because he hears hammers too. It's crazy my door would lock without being locked or the light would turn off and then I would get close to the light switch and it would turn back on. Only my room was like that though. I wonder why. Road trips can be a time of fun, games, singing, and just taking in the scenery that the road has to offer. Oftentimes these road trips take hours or maybe even days to drive through. But sometimes you want to get to your destination a little bit faster, and in doing so, you decide to drive through the night. 
This next story, submitted by my brother-in-law, explains how maybe it's not always the best idea to drive through the night. Maybe you should stay in a hotel. A few years ago, I was driving from my home at the time in Los Angeles, California, to my parents' house near San Antonio, Texas. The drive covers about 1,500 miles, and in an attempt to make the trip as short as possible, my girlfriend at the time and I decided to drive straight through the night. At about 11 o'clock at night, two hours from our destination, I caught a figure on the side of the road in my high beams. The figure became clearer as we got closer, and I could make it out as a woman with long black hair wearing a white dress. She was walking in the same direction that I was traveling, and I remember thinking how strange it was that she'd be walking on the side of the road this late at night. As we drove by, I took a closer look at her and noticed something stranger. I turned my head to the right to give her one last glance and noticed that though she had two legs, she clearly had no feet. With the speed I was going, I figured I had to have saw incorrectly until I saw the look on my girlfriend's face. What did you see? I asked her. A woman in a flowing white dress and hair flowing in the wind. Did you notice anything else? She had no feet. Hearing my passenger seeing the same thing I did made the experience that more real to me. How could we have both seen the same thing unless it was real? We nervously joked and said it must have been La Llorona, but deep down, I don't think we were joking. Some of you listeners may be at home, cuddled up under a blanket, warm, feeling peace and safety. But what happens if, though you may be safe at home, you're not safe at work? Our next listener's story, submitted by Mahondri, talks about how even in the Navy, they still have their haunted hangars. My old hangar was built in the 50s, and it's extremely haunted. Whenever I have watched from midnight to 8 on the weekends, that's probably the scariest experience ever. So we had to walk around and make sure doors were locked and lights are turned off and nobody unwanted is in our spaces. So one night, I see some rooms with the lights on. So I go and turn off the light in the one room. Then I head over to the next room and turn off that light. When I turn around and look in the previous room, I see the lights are on again. I was confused, but whatever. I go inside to turn them off again, but as I go inside, two chairs are spinning. Yeah, I'm freaked out. It didn't help that in the second room that I came out of, chairs were spinning there too. Aside from that, we always heard lots of footsteps and floors creaking, doors slamming, all when nobody was around or at work. That's why I would say this hangar is definitely haunted. This next story has me asking myself, what's worse, finding yourself alone, fighting off a monster, 
afraid to tell those that you care about that they might think that you're making it up? Or is it knowing that that monster is not only after you, but your entire family, including your children? Listener Carla shares her story with us called Family Fears. I have had several experiences involving entities, and I am positive they were bad or evil ones because they made me uneasy in my own home, and they caused lots of friction between me and my spouse. A few years ago, a friend and her husband needed a place to stay, and asked if they could crash with us for a couple weeks. Her husband had always claimed he was an empath. The definition of an empath is as follows. Empaths have profound spiritual and intuitive experiences with animals, nature, or their inner guise, which aren't usually associated with highly sensitive people. As you know, I have been raised in a household where we're not much inclined to these kind of experiences, but I am now not too sure about being so incredulous. It all started a couple days after they left the house. I began to hear footsteps, doors closing, creaking sounds, etc. I didn't think much of it, nor worry too much about it. I credited them to the floorboard since the house is an old house built in the 1920s. Over the next few weeks, I felt I was being watched. I had severe mood swings in a matter of seconds, then just terrible anxiety. My husband and I started to argue a lot over the most minimal things, but it was not until I heard someone call my name that I started to get worried. Then it happened. I saw a shadow. It was this large gory creature crawling up my walls. That was the ugliest thing I had ever seen and the worst feeling in the world. Of course you start calling out to God and Jesus and all the saints you can think of in that moment, but I also knew that that thing would be unable to touch me even if I didn't give it room to. So I did what I know best to calm me down. I sang a hymn and I was able to block him That's what I call it because there's no other way for me to explain what I felt that night. It continued to haunt us, but I opted not to share these things with my husband because he'd always think I was being too superstitious. I am Mexican, and I use every remedy there is, regardless of how bad it tastes or how ridiculous it sounds. Then, the most horrific thing happened. My kids started to cry in the middle of the night, saying there was a monster in the room and they refused to sleep alone. That was it. I've read many books, and I do follow all the Mexican theories about the paranormal, and so I've read that these entities only bother children when they are evil because they absolutely want their souls. This thing had to be vanished, whatever way and however possible. So I went to my husband and told him all the details, and guess what? He began to tell me he already had a plan and a cure for it because he'd been experiencing something worse. This thing had been fighting with him for weeks. Every day he came home from work, he would be pushed back out of the house. He had trouble sleeping and he also noticed the current was stronger in the kid's room. We decided that he would read an excerpt from the Bible, and he, being the patriarch of our household, would prepare to cast the spirit out. The following morning, he came home from work and began the reading. At first there was no sound, no sighting, nothing. I felt hopeless. I started to think maybe it was just too strong that it had already settled there. But as the reading continued, the words sounded louder. Our spirit was in tune and our prayers were answered. 
The crawling thing came creeping out. The snarling noise was such that it made me cringe and sick to my stomach, but we got it out. The aftermath was shocking. We both felt as if the air had been sucked out of the room and let back in. But, just as they say, the calm came after the storm, and we were both able to recuperate and know that that thing was the root of all evil and that peace had been restored in our home. I always share this story because I used to be very skeptical about those things, but as they say, you have to see it to believe it. Sometimes you can be so scared that you're literally choked with fear. In this next story, we find out fear isn't the only thing that can choke you. A listener submits this story about him and his brother in Monterrey, Mexico. Story is entitled, The Mystery of Monterrey. To this day, my brother and I cannot explain how what we saw happened that night. And every time I tell this story, I get goosebumps as I'm doing now. This all happened one summer night. We were visiting my dad's grandparents in Monterrey, Mexico, as we usually did every summer when we were younger. We would stay at our grandparents' house. This house was a two-story house made out of cement and brick. It was ancient and had an outhouse bathroom as well as one that had later been installed indoors. Inside the first floor, it was very open, meaning there weren't very many doors. Rooms would just merge from one to another, sometimes only separated by cloth. The second floor was smaller, about the size of two rooms, but had a large patio the size of the bottom floor and could only be accessed through the outer back part of the house. Several of my uncles stayed with my grandparents, and because of this, my brothers and I would typically sleep on the floor in what was the living room. Even though there were usually 8 to 12 people staying in the house at all times, I remember feeling weirded out every night and never wanting to spend the night there. This all came to a climax one night as my older brother and I fell asleep. It must have been around 2 in the morning and we heard a strange noise coming from my grandma's bed. We became curious and slowly approached the noise. As we got closer, we could make out the noise. It sounded as if someone was being choked. We slowly moved the cloth that separated the living room from our bedroom, and what we saw next scared me for life. There was a dark shadow in the shape of a person that was choking my grandma. We froze, not knowing what to do. And just then, one of my uncles came into the room and turned on the light, he being bothered by the same noise. The figure was gone, and my grandma awoke. At first, I thought maybe it was just my imagination since the room was dark and it was hard to see. But what my grandma said next confirmed what I had only seen. My uncle asked my grandma if she was okay and she said, I feel like someone was choking me. I did not sleep that night and we slowly convinced our parents to stay elsewhere when we would visit Mexico. I did not tell anyone that day what I had seen and to this day there are very few people who know that story. Next time you're in Monterrey, Mexico, it might be wise to sleep with the lights on.